and welcome to Best of Shows, a weekly conversation about the biggest things happening on the small screen and a guide to what TV is and is not worth your time. I'm Kristen Baldwin, TV critic at Entertainment Weekly, and I'm joined by my fellow EW critic and TV junkie, Darren Franich. Hi, Darren. Kristen, I am a wreck this week. What's I happening? I am an absolute wreck. Thanks for asking. Um, the season finale... Maybe series finale. We don't know of a double shot oh. at love with uh, Vinny and Polly D or Polly D and Vinny. It was a double shot at love. It was a double shot. And what a shot it was! Oh my god! Double, nay, a quadruple, maybe. Um, <laughs> I, it was. It was just so emotional. Th- this finale. We we could almost spend the next ten episodes just talking about that. I, I really guess there's could. other TV though, right? Is there other TV that we've talked there about? There is, week? but we will be talking about double shot and the finale, and maybe a little bit of our favorite. You know trashy summer shows but man did that show deliver man that that, that is an example of good silly television yes it is yes and it i is. i'm excited to dive deep into that yeah, uh, later so in the show later, later in, in the, the show. show but we will kick things off with our what's new segment and what's new this week the third season of stranger things it arrives on netflix this thursday july 4th the list of quote-unquote do not reveal plot points from netflix is a little vast. Please do not confirm that any things are strange may have been <laughs> one of the 30 right. bullet points they sent us for the very first episode. Yeah. We'll definitely have to vague it up a bit in our discussion. What I can say is all of this season takes place in the summer, so the kids are out of school, they're hanging out at the pool, at the town's brand new mall, and in the case of Nancy and Jonathan, working at the local paper. And Eleven and Mike are in the midst of a blissful new romance, which of course sets Hopper's teeth on edge. Lucas and Max are a full-fledged couple, and even Dustin has a new girlfriend named Susie, but she lives in Utah, so we haven't seen her. That leaves poor Will uh, as the odd man out once again. All he wants to do is hang out with his buddies and play D&D and generally be a kid, but his friends are fixated on dating and girls. So I, I do think that setting this season in the summer was smart. It's nice to see the kids having a little more fun. Millie Bobby Brown's Eleven actually gets to smile and go on a mall shopping spree, which I loved. And the stuff with all the town moms lusting after Max's mean older brother, Billy, is very silly, and I loved it. The writers are also leaning into the bromance between Dustin and Steve, and Steve has a job working at the mall ice cream shop, Scoops Ahoy, with a new character named Robin. She is played by Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke's daughter, Maya Hawke. And once you know that, you will never not see her resemblance to Uma Thurman. Obviously, there's an ominous monster plot simmering amidst all of this summer fun. And at least based on the first three episodes that I watched, it seems like the action is going to move along relatively briskly. I am cautiously optimistic. Darren, I know that you really didn't like season two. So what is your feeling on season three so far? Uh, I would say cautiously pessimistic so far, Kristen. Um, but here's here's what I will say. Here's what I will say. Um, you know, season two of Stranger Things, I think looking back on it, it just sort of felt to me as if the uh, creators of the show, the Duffer Brothers and everybody else involved, kind of just wound up doing like a karaoke version of season one. Right. And, and since season one was already itself kind of a karaoke version of a lot of other, uh, you know, th- these classic 80s horror supernatural content. 
concepts. It just felt a little bland to me. Right. I think this season you mentioned that it is set in the summertime. There's a very different vibe kind of right off the bat. Mm -hmm. The year is 1985 now. Um, mall culture has really moved yes. into the city. And, and the way in which the show kind of approaches mall culture is surprisingly complicated. One thing I struggle with in general, and this is true of pretty much all Stranger Things going back to maybe the third or fourth episode of season one, is that the way the show uses the 80s, I don't always find that compelling. I, I know mm -hmm. I, I know this show wants very little more than to conjure up a like nostalgic yes. and you know really sumptuous version of the 1980s. The soundtrack this season is insane. It seems as if the Netflix budget for music just is like, like the, the music budget in the first episode of this show would pay for like entire seasons of David Simon shows. I'm convinced. <laughs> There is no budget. It's yeah. just like whatever you want. I think they must just have like a uh, ATMs built into all the writers' rooms, and they're like, just go for it. <laughs> and that and that vibe does extend in general in general throughout what I've seen of the show so far in the early episodes with different results. I mean, the, the mall it is kind of a cool setting, and yeah. I think it immediately creates a very different vibe from the first two seasons, yes, just for in sure. terms of the visuals. I, I am a little concerned that at least in these early episodes that we've seen right now, the sort of way the show moves just feels very familiar. My wife just kind of keeps. I'm pointing out that like, you know, each each time like weird things happen around town, nobody seems to be like, oh, right, we're, we're built on the edge of a hellscape. Like, maybe we should pay more attention. To yes, the, the, I was saying that to Tim Stacker. I was watching this art and I turned to him and I was like, why is Joyce, who is Winona Ryder's character, the only one who seems to remember <laughs> that uh, there's like some kind of, you know, alternate universe demon dog that periodically tries to eat her child, you know? And so yeah. Uh, it is, but you know, it's, I guess it's part of the whole like suspension of disbelief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I will say um, it's odd that you sort of mentioned how all the characters are kind of lining up in this new season. Um, and somewhat unexpectedly, the character who I find myself feeling the most compelled by is Will. And yeah. it, it, it's, it's strange only because, you know, Will was obviously more of a plot point in season one than a character. And in season two, he was kind of, I think, the worst example of the karaoke feeling of season two that it was just like, well, okay, like Will is kind of once again being troubled and there's something else going on with him in the upside down and here at least in the early episodes it just feels like there's a really compelling character story going on yeah. with him it's interesting to see that as much as this show kind of started off with the feeling of like ah we're kind of diving deep into these sort of nerdly pleasures of the 80s and you know dungeons and dragons right. and comic books he in this season I don't know, there's this interesting tragedy going on where he's kind of the one character who's still very wrapped up in that stuff while his friends are now yeah. going off on their own. You know, it's it, it's a sort of Bambi getting Twitterpated part of their journey where they're all kind of, you know, going off into romantic plot lines now. And I... You want to tell his friends, like, guys, I know you're hitting puberty, but, like, remember he spent all of last season basically being possessed and living in the upside down? Like, he didn't have that year of his childhood. So can we please just play a little d d with him it is very sad this idea of like and you know at one point he's looking back on old pictures and you can see the actors themselves have grown so much you know they oh, were yeah. just babies when they started and like and it's it's very poignant you know even yeah. that i thought i agree with you that this is a nice like human story to be telling in the midst of all this sort of you know sci-fi 
shenanigans. Yeah. How do you feel about, because uh, you kind of mentioned that there, th this season kind of continues the pairing of uh, Dustin and Steve. And even in a way, in the, in the episodes that I've seen, um, it seems very clear that the show now thinks that they're kind of like, they're sort of like the one true duo in yeah. a way. Like, yeah. and, and I mean, I will say, I think like just in terms of the young performers, uh, Joe Keery and, and Gaten Matarazzo, um, I think they're kind of the best for this show. Yeah. I, I think they're kind of the most locked into the sort of, we're doing kind of a self-aware hardy boys on yes, the edge of yes. the, uh, on the edge of the, of the alternate universe kind of thing. Um, I do find that with some of the other actors, I just find their stuff a little bit less compelling in in the new season. But yeah. do, do, do you feel any other kind of shift from the first couple seasons to season three? Because there was a really long uh, period of time between the last season and this new one. I do like uh, Steve and Dustin together and I like the fact that they don't uh, ignore the fact that it's a little weird that they're friends. You know, Robin keeps saying, how many children are you friends with? You know, like the, that's Steve's co-worker. She, you know, gives him endless amounts of crap at work. And yeah, because it's a little bit of an unusual friendship in terms of age difference, but they are very uh, fun together. And it's clearly like the writers knew that we love that from season two and season one. So they're, they're giving us more of that. They're still dancing around the Hopper and Joyce romance. It's clear that they've been destined to, you know, be a couple from day one. And I'm getting a little tired of the will they won't lay. On the other hand, you know, Joyce did see her beloved get like gutted by a monster last season. And so she's still, you know, she's still mourning. The other story that I kind of like, and uh, it oddly enough involves a Busey, um, is uh, Nancy uh, working at the paper. And it's this whole thing where she works at the paper and all the men who work at the paper just, you know, call her sweetheart and there's all this casual chauvinism and, you know, you know, go get the coffee, honey, and that kind of thing. And anytime she has an idea, they just... Uh, they torment her. And one of the actors one is Jake Busey, who plays one of the guys, uh, Bruce, at the at the paper. And he's like super obnoxious. Anyway, they call her Nancy Drew and they make fun of her. But she actually does start investigating, like, why are there so many rabid rats in town? Which, of course, has... Because some... you're by a hellscape! Yeah, exactly. Because you're by... <laughs> exactly. And, like, even as she... You know, they're calling her Nancy Drew, which is both belittling, but it's also fitting because... It, it does, like you mentioned the Hardy Boys, and this does have sort of a Nancy Drew feeling of like, okay, we're going to get this, you know, I'm going to break all the rules and get this story and the grownups are finally going to listen to me. You know, I kind of like that dynamic as mm -hmm. well, even though there are a lot of rats so far, and I'm definitely not a fan of rats. Oh, and like the stuff that's happening to the rats, oh. too. Um, yeah, I, you know, listen, I, I am going to watch this full season. I do think that this season kind of confirms that Stranger Things, as an enterprise, it's very dedicated to the very long movie structure. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we are kind of both right now talking about a story that is very much in its first act. Yes, and, yes. you know, I, 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 I also struggle with that. Um, I, I sort of think that Stranger Things is another patient zero for the Netflix model of storytelling, not always being that successful as it continues onwards. Um, you know, um, you kind of mentioned how you have Nancy uh, in her kind of like Nancy Drew corner of the show, jo joined by Jonathan, who, by the way, I have totally lost track. I thought he was supposed to be sort of the cool John Carpenter loving like punky guy like he's he's gotten like very niceified over the course of the last uh, did couple he of seasons. ever really have a discernible personality other I, than like kind of like sleepy 
yeah, it's it's, it's, it's <laughs> unclear. It's it's unclear. So, so, so him and her are still doing their investigation as they as they were last season. They're right, in a separate right. investigation. You have Dustin and Steve are kind of approaching things from their own way. And I, there's a little bit of I'm gonna say a word, and I don't want anyone to freak out. I'm not saying it, it's at this level yet. There's a little bit of a heroes vibe to what's mm. happening, where you know each season of heroes would kind of reset back to like everyone's off on their own separate journeys and they'll very very gradually sort of come together mm. and you know again I mean this is sort of where it comes down to how much belief are you, are you willing to suspend it, it seems to me that had you fought off a demon monster twice in the same town mm -hmm. then like if rats are doing weird things you're kind of like okay APB like everybody, right. everybody everybody like you know let's all join together on this thing now it's we really... might have another one of those strange things happening and it's really you know frustrating that like you know i get it for the storytelling aspects but yeah the idea that literally joyce is the only one being and you know and nancy's doing this because she i don't know that she necessarily thinks anything spooky is happening but she's just you know she wants to be a reporter she's trying to yeah. do this but like no why isn't everyone on high alert at all times <laughs> right or yeah. why don't they move you know yeah. like yeah. It's, yeah. it's just uh real weird but yeah. again you know you got there are certain things that you just have to let go and let god with shows like this you know I like think okay so, yeah i think so and do you think Kristen? i mean I, I am always very aware with this show that I often feel like the kind of critical machinery we have sometimes with what television is becoming, my sort of ready comparisons to other shows maybe don't apply. I am very aware that, you know, this show, especially this season, it's being released on the 4th of July. Mm -hmm. um, the, the subject matter is very summary. This is sort of like a big budget blockbuster that I, I assume if people are going to watch it, they, they may watch it all in one go. Like, yeah. this, this is an eight episode season. Season. So I, I am aware that like all these things that we're kind of like picking on, we, we've been kind of talking about the first few hours. Um, that may kind of fade if people are just watching it all in one gigantic chunk of, of, of content. Um, yeah, I think this is the type of show that people will, you know, at least finish probably if they're really into it, they'll finish it that weekend at the latest. You yeah. know what I mean? So like and I do feel like at least I know I've had a sense in the past that like. It was moving slower, you know, and it, I'm at the end of episode three, and I feel like they're very clearly setting up steps for things are happening, which yeah. is not always There's the nothing, case, yeah, in, in, yeah. in uh, especially Netflix shows. So yeah, and and do you feel like there's nothing in this season that just seems as immediately wrong as in season two when Eleven was totally siloed off on her own right. kind of journey? No, um, and, and by even, the way, like I never hated that as much as everyone hated it oh i hated it i, I hated know it. you did i know you did wait wait, wait, wait. give me the Give me the uh, counter argument, though. So you 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 enjoyed kind of all of her stuff, like kind of finding her mom and and, and that whole kind of through line of. Uh, I the mean, season? I just didn't hate it as much as everybody hated it. Was it my favorite? No, but I mm. wasn't like, oh damn you, show! How dare you? You know, <laughs> let her hang out with punks and you know, whatever. Oh, like, those punks! The punks! Oh my god! I just Wait. you know why not? Like if they were trying something, didn't necessarily work, but it wasn't like I'd rather have them try something than, you know, uh, cough the Handmaid's Tale, cough, do the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. So like, 
I like what they're doing in season three better, you know, in yeah. that like it's more, you know, everyone's together and they're hanging out and they're having fun and it's it, they're trying something new, but it keeps the sort of core group together, which I appreciate. But I just I feel like people maybe overreacted a little bit about the the, you know, 11 punk episode. Kristen, as as usual, you are, you are wise and uh, probably onto something. Um, it's funny because you, you kind of mentioning the punk episode, which I just loathed. Um, this season, I think we can say this. Maybe this is somewhere on the spoiler list. Eleven's punk makeover has been entirely forgotten. About. Oh, for sure, uh, and, and almost to a point where, I mean, I'm not sure this is true. I think you could almost go from season one to season three without necessarily missing out on a whole lot of stuff. Certainly right. with her. Um, and the interesting thing is that, you know, you, what you kind of mentioned is that the stuff that the show is doing this season, it's kind of doing a little more successfully. At the same time, it's interesting to me to see how this show portrays the 80s. Yeah. We're now kind of in the thick of like, this is like the mall 80s. This is like the, the pop 80s. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the sort of residual late 70s, all brown everything feeling of the first season yes. has totally kind of fallen yes. by the wayside. Yes, everything's neon. And, and, yeah. Right, right, exactly. It does make me appreciate what you're talking about about that the punk stuff in season two was ridiculous and was you know kind of punk by way of starlight express but <laughs> but there was a version where it kind of brought in that milieu in a more interesting way right. and, th and there is kind of at the same time with this season with the move into kind of you know 80s teen you know comedy and the move into there there is a feeling of oh, okay we're, we're kind of retrenching in more safe nostalgic zone now right so I so so I'm now allowed to complain about both things too much punk and not enough punk so have that take that yeah. stranger things but i mean are you still really cautiously pessimistic or are you i like... am yeah i just don't i i mean this show is something that i just think i i i, I struggle with how it tells its story mm -hmm. and i struggle with the feeling that especially after the first season was such a success I don't think that anybody involved really had a plan to continue it. I know that like they do really love their actors, and yeah. I, I think I, th I think they've especially sparked to the great chemistry between uh, Steve and Dustin. There's moments in each episode where like you'll see some kind of monstrous thing, and to me, it kind of just feels like every other digital monster yeah. that exists now, and, and it just feels less special. So I I have a lot of strong feelings about '80s nostalgia in general, right. and the feeling that it can kind of just be an Instagram filter put on not super interesting stuff. And, yeah, and that's what fair. I feel about with this sometimes. Again, this is us talking after you know the equivalent of watching the first twenty minutes of a movie. Right. And I've 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 never felt more like you have to see a whole season to really right to really know if it's going to work. But, Stranger um, Things. Yeah. So Stranger Things returns on July fourth on Netflix, and you can binge it all and ignore your family or whatever you do on July fourth. Uh, so check it out. And now that I've criticized a show that is made in a gorgeous and evocative style by people <laughs> who I'm sure are working overtime year in, year out to produce compelling and provocative television, now it's time for me to praise A Double Shot at Love on MTV. Yes. Uh, Kristen, we talked a lot about this show when it debuted. This is the kind of revival in two directions of a couple of MTV franchises, um, A Double Shot at Love, was a dating show concept uh, that previously was around in the late 2000s. They brought it back with uh, two ongoing participants 
in the Jersey Shore saga, uh, Vinny and Polly D. Um, and Kristen, this is the kind of dating show that I like. Yeah. Uh, this show kind of took the Bachelor model, of mm -hmm. which you are, of course, a, a reigning expert. <laughs> I am a mere, I, 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 I am a mere fascinated neophyte in that realm. And to me, it kind of made it funnier and like more ridiculous for sure and just cheap um you know so I, it, cheap like like people the dates that they would take these women on um especially as it got down to the point where in the finale uh Vinny and Polly d kind of both had two contestants apiece to choose from to maybe become their girlfriend they would take them on dates to like the backyard literally the uh, backyard <laughs> Or like the quote unquote the club that was just like a room in this there was, mansion. <laughs> there was there was a whole thing where like oh um you know all the remaining uh you know uh, ladies um your parents are going to come here and we're going to have a big fancy dinner and the fancy dinner was in the backyard. <laughs> backyard. Like, they just got some like some I, I don't know I I really enjoyed that I I, I want to set the stage a little bit for the season finale yes. that aired Kristen because we are going to spoil it in depth and I would just say highly recommend at least watching the finale if you didn't watch anything else um so we, we got down to the point where both Vinny and Polly had a lot of decisions to make Polly was choosing between uh, two of my favorite contestants, Nikki, a woman who had really started clinging to him very, very early mm -hmm. on. Um, they, had they had what seemed like an incredibly intense physical attraction to each other that even kind of Polly D admitted like, yeah, I, I was kind of only paying attention to her for most of this <laughs> season. Um, then you had the person who obviously should have won this and all prizes, Darren. Yes. Uh, not, not spelled the same as my name, but that's okay. We'll still accept her in the Darren Club, who really seemed to, as they said over and over and over again, check all of the boxes. Um, certainly seemed to make a better impression on uh, the visiting parents uh, than Nikki had. That was all ridiculous. Polly D is a ridiculous person. Yes. Um, you know, you sort of have the sense of like, you know, whoever he chooses, I don't think that will be a long-term relationship. Right. That's okay. They're, right. they're all young people who, who, who can do um, whatever they want to do. Vinny, for me, this was the really compelling side of the show, and and we discussed this a little bit going into to the season, that like Vinny and Polly are kind of a great pair for this, because Polly is such a cartoon character, right. and Vinny, Vinny somehow, even though he's been on camera nonstop for close to a decade now, <laughs> um, he, he, he still seems sort of awkward and somewhat reticent about being on screen, he's which I find uncomfortable. incredibly endearing, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, he kind of had a choice to make and frankly he'd, he'd already made the wrong choice is what you have to know because in the uh in the penultimate episode he had uh sent home maria a person who i thought they got along great yeah she seemed awesome um the, the, the big complaint with her seemed to be you know you're not opening up very much for some reason and i wanted to just shake Vinny and say it's because there's all these cameras around you dope like Dumbass. just like, exactly. like you, know, you know take her you know take her away from this like bizarre cheap you know reality tv landscape for a second and, and you two will get along great nevertheless 
Uh, he had a choice to make between Elise and Elle. Um, not not really a big surprise there. Um, but, 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 but Kristen, how did you feel about the final results, the final choices? Um, and, and, and in general, uh, you know, as someone who's watched a little bit more of the kind of dating show scene than me, how, yeah. how did this finale compare to some of the other finales that you've seen in terms of kind of drama and uh, ultimate impact? Well, it's funny because in The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, when they get down to this point, um, actually when it's bottom or top four, they do the hometown visit, so people meet each other's family. And I liked that in this, and then when it gets down to top two, um, the remaining contestants will meet the bachelor or bachelorette's family. So that's what they did here. And I liked that when the moms came, Uncle... Uncle Nino? Nino was there too, and Vinny's Uncle Nino, Nino is this just like kind of lecherous, gross, dirty old man who says things like he wants to test drive the women, and, and the boys oh. are like, ah, oh, 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 that's what we love about him. But anyway, rather than just like, you know, sitting down to talk, the whole point was the moms are going to come and they're going to cook with these final contestants, and how these women do in the kitchen will really play a role in what uh, Vinny and Polly, what decision they make, you know? So they're already like straight up, you know, reinforcing gender roles. And it's like, okay, if you're, you know, dating somebody from the Jersey Shore, you're probably aware of the fact that these are mama's boys and they're going (laughs) to expect you to be, you know, play a certain role in their life. Anyway, what I loved about it, the two moms, so Vinny's mom, Paula, comes with a giant pot of sauce, you know, because like she, she literally comes to Los Angeles with the sauce and she's ready to cook. And Polly's mom, Donna, is very quiet. You know, she just kind of observes. But anyway, Vinny's mom, Paula, is like real strict in the kitchen. You know, she's like, telling the women like, oh, wait, you're not stirring that right. You're not pounding that chicken breast right. You're not whatever. But she ends up liking Elise a little more um, just because she thinks Elise is more grounded. And also because Elle wore, wore white when she was cooking. And uh, Paula was like, or Paula was like, how are you? You don't wear white in the kitchen. You're going to get dirty. Like, so she basically didn't even let her cook. So I found that all whole thing fascinating. Let's just say... In in classic double shot at love style, this final ceremony, this this final cab ceremony, <laughs> ceremony. as it was called, <laughs> it was on a platform that had been set up above the pool. Yes, and 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 it was just it's just it's just perfect the production design on this show because it is simultaneously over the top and low budget. Oh, and so I, low I, budget. It's 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 a specific thing to hit, and I I applaud the production designers who were told, hey. Just we need to do fifty different things with this backyard. Yeah, so just get ready. And yeah, so they're out on this. You know, they're out on this platform. The boys are at either end of the platform, and then the you know the the women come two at a time. First, Vinny gives his speech, and he ends up choosing Elise, which I like. Elise, you know, um, my one concern with her is that she did admit she doesn't like chicken cutlets. I'm not sure how that's going to fly in Vinny's family, but I do think they had a genuine, you know, she's quiet too. She loves dogs. He loves dogs. Like, who knows? I feel like they could date for a while. It's fine. But I mean, you got to talk about, well, what did you think of Elise? I was just going to like add to that and say that Vinny seemed to be the most of the two of them, certainly. He seemed to believe the most in the feeling that like he could be finding someone on yeah. this show yeah. and sort of took it the most seriously, or so we thought. Then, so, so <laughs> Vinny and Elise, 
they are on this pool stage off to the side right. while Polly freezing. Calls. Like poor freezing. Elise is freezing. freezing. You, Elise, they can I, I see mean, her breath. Like she's freezing because it's nighttime in LA, which probably means it's like what fifty five degrees, well, and she can't. This feel. is another kind of comical thing about this. Is uh, I, I'm not sure exactly when this show was filmed, but it was a kind of rainy and cold winter out yes. here for Los Angeles. Not not as cold as in actual cold places, but you know, yeah. cold enough, cold enough that you'd want to have a jacket on constantly throughout the season. Uh, you would see rain outside. Yeah. Elise was very very cold. Vinny gave her his jacket. It was sweet. It, it was very sweet. I mean, and again, they both just compared to the people we're about to talk about, they both seem to aware of the fact that, okay, we're on this like weird dating show. No one's saying that they're in love yet. Right. Like, you know, we're going to kind of embark on this. It was very, it was very adorable. Yeah, it was. So then Polly D calls out Darren and Nikki. <laughs> and, you know, my wife and I w- were watching this. We sort of knew that, okay, like it, it's not going to be Darren. It's just like Polly has sort of said explicitly a long time he was interested in Nikki. Nikki, you know, she took a lot of, uh, she took a lot of, what's the word that I'm, uh, that I'm searching for here, Kristen? Uh, she took a lot of grief from the other contestants. Yes, she was not a favorite. She was, she, she was very o- over the top. She was not there to make friends, Darren. She, she certainly wasn't. And I will say, I, as much as like their physical attraction kind of came into play, I, I was kind of convinced by Polly always talking about how he liked the fact that Nikki didn't seem to care that she was so hated. That, you know, you were kind of conscious, you were constantly reminded this season that like Polly and Vinny are in the public eye yeah. and they live very crazy lives. And like, so I was kind of like, okay, yeah. Does it kind of make sense that you'd want someone who doesn't care if there's 20 million people tweeting nasty things at her? Right, um, right. So, uh, you know, of course, Polly D uh, sent Darren to her cab. I was very sad about that. It's 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 another loss for Darren. Your cab I, is I, here. Oh, I, I, it'll yeah, yeah, never yeah. get old. Your, your cab nev- is here. Your cab is here. Said with such gravity. Gra- See, because yeah. here's the thing. Vinny could never quite take it seriously when he said it. Polly <laughs> took it very seriously when he said your cab is here. He'd be like, so, Darren. Your cab so is then, here. so then, so so Darren leaves. And Nikki's just very happy. Wait, we need to we need to point out that Nikki has already more than once declared that she loves Polly. Remember, it's she, been what she loves four Polly? weeks, not even. She, she she loves Polly. Polly knows her better than anyone ever has. Yep, she scary. Said. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so uh, uh, there's all these w- what's what someone on the show might have called warning signs. Yes, red flags. So then, you know, she she's kind of saying, "Oh, like I'm very very happy." And right then, the show kind of does. It's almost like the end of The Usual Suspects, where the, the show kind of does this clip montage of all the times over the course of the season that somebody warned Polly D about Nikki. Um, <laughs> you know, they had visiting Jersey Shore cast members who warned him. They had the parents. They had her her, her relative. They had, mm-hmm. it, it just sort of builds and builds and builds. And at this point, I'm just like, what is going on? Right? Like, okay, this is this is it, it, this is not what I was expecting. And then Polly says that. As much as like she's caught feelings for him, he doesn't feel that way. He's gonna he's gonna roll solo for now. I I howled when he said, "I'm <laughs> rolling solo for now." <laughs> again, again, said with total poignance and gravitas. Yeah, like he, you know, like, he meant it like a human he, being. He is a fascinating reality TV performer. Whatever else you want to say about him, also allegedly a DJ. Yes. and I I and so so Nikki. Unexpectedly, another cab shows up and pulls her away. <laughs> and it was just kind of, 
it was kind of a perfect ending for this show, yes. Kristen. Like, you know, you you sort of left with Vinny and Elise, who again just looked really adorable, and it was even kind of it was it was even kind of wonderful that she was so much taller than yes, him in her so heels. Cute. So so adorable. And then Polly just had to walk down the pool stage alone. Alone. Oh. But you know what, Darren? I feel like he knew he was going to do this the whole time. You think so? I think, think he. So? I I think it was either explicitly in his contract. Or he just knew, like, look, I'll do the show, sure, I'll date a bunch of women, but I'm not picking anybody. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna be made to pick somebody. I'm not gonna be made to, you know, pretend I'm in a relationship with anyone. And they were like, sure, do whatever you want. And, yeah. you know, and I don't think, not necessarily because he's like conniving or anything. I just think, honestly, able to form human relationships. Like, I don't know. He seems, he's a very, charismatic and enjoyable guy to watch and he seems like a nice person but he also seems like t- completely like an extraterrestrial he well and 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 he he always has Kristen. my, my theory is actually not extraterrestrial okay. i think he may be the modern day incarnation of uh, some kind of pagan deity possibly sure, apollo sure. I, i'm not sure i've i've tried to do kind of more research into this um but <laughs> I, I i do hear what you're saying and this this also i think kind of added to the interesting Using a using a big word for the show to the interesting kind of like dissonance of uh, of the season of a, of a double shot at love that like Vinny who seemed to not really fit into this whole model like he's he's just not somebody who like kind of walks into a room full of like you know twenty women and starts talking to them and like you know cracking jokes he somehow benefited from this more or at least seemed to be taking it more seriously whereas Polly who yeah as you mentioned it seems like an extraterrestrial and you know right off the bat it, it almost became kind of a running joke in the season that there were way more women interested in him yeah. than in Vinny because he's got just got such a big personality right it, it it's it's the secret tragedy that yeah that that guy then kind of you know walks away alone and i you know it's, it's hard to tell Kristen. i i think you're probably right to suspect that this was always kind of the end goal but i i, I was I, I was very touched because earlier in the finale um Polly had said uh you know uh if i can quote exactly there's too many dope things in life to do them alone. So it's like, Polly, like maybe you are kind of locking into this whole relationship thing now. You know, you're 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 done living the life of a yeah. globe trotting DJ. So, but I also um, I appreciate that he wasn't going to fake it. You know, as far as like contrived a human being as he is, he wasn't going to just pick somebody um, just to you know do follow the rules of this show. I, I think yeah. he also is very savvy, and he knows that you know. Uh, pulling a Brad Womack, which is a Bachelor reference in, Ooh. you know, Brad Womack initially in his first run as The Bachelor uh, did not pick either of his final two women. So Polly knew that that would be good TV. Let's indulge in some fantasy casting yes. here. Who, what kind of personality does Polly D need to, to enter into a, a a long-term dedicated relationship? Because I, I had kind of convinced question. myself that, okay, Maybe you need the, the, a very extreme person. You need somebody who's going to be, you know, I mean, whatever else you want to say about, about Nikki, she was certainly incredibly confident in mm-hmm, herself. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 I don't know. Again, I, I do want to continue to continue to stump for uh, my name sibling Darren because yeah. she did seem like she seemed like somebody who would kind of Marjorie Tyrell the whole Polly yes. situation. So I, I but just, but just I, because I, I, I do continue to believe that like if anybody can benefit from this totally ridiculous way 
of potentially meeting someone, it is Polly D. I would, so. yeah. I mean, I almost feel though that he would do best with like, you know, some academic working, you know, at a library somewhere who has never seen, who doesn't own a television and has never seen Jersey Shore, and they just bond over their love of. I don't know, Italian food. I don't know. <laughs> I, I do think that that might be good for him. I think it's unlikely that he will cross paths with anyone like that unless he happens to be like sitting next to somebody on a plane or, you know, trapped in an elevator. But I, I do. <laughs> you want to trap him in an elevator? <laughs> With a bunch of like, just like, you know, women from college who like, who work at colleges and who uh, have never seen Jersey Shore. Like, I feel gets, like he might make some connections there. He gets trapped in an elevator with a, with a convention of, of librarians, librarians with, without TVs. Yes. Like, I feel like he's such a like charismatic guy that I feel like he could, A, totally kill it in that situation and B, you know, end up finding somebody that he likes. And I think he would enjoy the fact uh, that he, the whoever he found in that librarian convention elevator would not, you know, give a frog's fat ass about his fame. Can I just say, Krista, this shows just how in the tank I am for, for Jersey Shore stuff in general. You're pitching this and I'm kind of like, I'd watch that show. I yeah, would totally like, like watch library, that show. Library Elevator. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, that was Double Shot at Love. Perhaps there will be another season with Polly and some other uh, Jersey Shore person. Maybe it'll be Vinny again. Who's to say? There I is going to be a, a, a reunion, I believe. Oh, yes, yes. I, watching that. I will be watching that. And I just want to say also regarding this show, I would like to thank it for introducing me to like maybe the most mean-spirited and awful yet mesmerizing reality show I've ever seen. On MTV, it's called How Far Is Tattoo Far, which uh, airs after Double Shot, I believe. And it's literally people allow each other to like, like two friends will go on and they have some beef about something and they will each choose like some kind of hideous tattoo that they've designed um, and and have it applied to the other person. And the other person doesn't know what's what the tattoo isn't is until it's revealed to them. And like... So, you know, they will, two brothers uh, were, you know, with a long-time adversarial relationship. Uh, one tattooed a bloody condom on his brother, and the oh, other one tattooed... No! Uh, yeah, it was so awful. No! And what was the other one? The, uh, and, you know, uh, the other one tattooed, like, a steroid needle that said roid rage. Like, <laughs> awful things. And, like, you can't feel sorry for them because they voluntarily went on a show where they knew they were going to be blindfolded and tattooed tattooed with possibly the ugliest thing they've ever seen. But it's like, it's just so fascinating to me that people want to be on TV so badly that they will be willing to like mutilate their own, have their bodies mutilated permanently in the name of, you know, being on TV for 22 minutes. So are anyway, they, are they, are they getting money? Are they like, well, no, what's no. The, what? No, it's There's literally no... they're getting they they get to be on TV. Appar no. Yeah, apparently this is a oh and it's hosted um by Nico Tortorella from uh, I believe Younger but also Snooky. So, just oh, FYI. So, it's apparently a, in the UK, there's, it's a spinoff of a UK show called Just Tattoo of Us, which actually in the UK show, it's apparently a little more uh, kind hearted. Like, people aren't like revenge tattooing each other. They might like surprise each other with a nice tattoo about like whatever. But it's, it's still, it's a little less, you know, uh, 
nastily voyeuristic, whereas in this case, they're literally just trying to tattoo. One man tattooed on his friend, Darren, a tree of testicles. No! What? A tree what do you mean? That grew, it was a tree with testicles hanging off of it, as though it were a testicle tree. What are you... And, and, and you know what the line underneath said? It said, grow some balls. Like that is now what? on that man's body for life. No, where is wh- where was the tattoo located? Dare I ask? <sighs> I can't remember. I think oh. I feel like it was on his torso. I don't know, but just, it doesn't matter. Oh, it doesn't matter. No. Like I think the face is off limits. Thank God. But um, yeah, it's really it's incredible. Oh, but 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 you, you just know like that's going to be the season seven premiere or something is like our 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 first ever face tattoo or something yeah. like that. So anyway, like, I mean, it, it's oh. a testament to why you should never, ever, ever, ever feel sorry for reality TV contestants because oh. they brought it on themselves. I'm I'm uncomfortable even just thinking about this, Kristen. Although I I, I am trying to wonder now, like, what would my enemies have tattooed on me if <laughs> I were to go on Darren, the show? Fortunately, Darren, you'll never find out because you'll never be dumb enough to go on this show. <laughs> never. Oh. So anyway, no. I, it's in constant, you know, repeats on MTV. Just you know, you can. How far is tattoo far? And it's honestly, it's like a crime against humanity. But I'm, I can't stop I'm, watching. I'm I'm so glad to hear that you started watching it. Uh, my my wife and I. I've never watched it, but uh, because the commercials play so often, we, we have made a, a, a running game out of uh, essentially I'll turn to her and say, uh, hey, I have a question. And then we'll both turn to the TV set and paused on there will be the title card. How far is tattoo far? These are the games you play when your job is watching TV all day. Oh, good times. Good times. Thank you, MTV, for that horrifying uh, display of inhumanity that is how far is tattoo far speaking of horrifying oh sorry yes no 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 no, you're right speaking of horrifying displays of inhumanity darren thomas wolf once said that you can't go home again but as it turns out mtv is willing to pay some people a whole lot of money to try nine years after it wrapped with a cheeky is it real or is it reality tv finale The Hills is back with much of the same cast and a subtitle, New Beginnings. The premiere last week reintroduced us to the key players and introduced some new ones as they resettled in L.A. Audrina is fresh off a divorce and raising a young daughter. Heidi and Spencer are still married, raising a cute little boy who has his own quote-unquote assistant, and they are about 37% less crazy. Brody is somewhat unhappily married to a blonde woman named Caitlin, and Stephanie Pratt is back from London and hoping to reconcile with her brother Spencer. Meanwhile, newcomers Brandon Lee, son of Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson, and Misha Barton, yes, of the OC, are reconnecting with the gang. And yes, we're supposed to believe that they've all been friends for years. So Darren, you and I were both big Hills junkies, and after the premiere, here is the drama I'm most looking forward to watching. Brody versus Spencer. Spencer is still quote unquote but hurt that Brody didn't invite him to his wedding. I'm interested in the saga of Audrina and mumble-mouthed fuckboy Justin Bobby, which is free to continue now that she's divorced, and basically anything involving Stephanie and Spencer. What about you? <laughs> Chris, 
question. I'm just, I'm so, I'm so blindsided by everything that's going on here. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I thought the hills was over with. Yeah. Um, and I do weirdly think that the way that it ended is like one of the best series finales yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I have to admit, um, I was a way latecomer to the original hills just because when it started, I was kind of on my high horse with a lot of pretentious things, and so I, 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 I bizarrely, I actually watched more of the season with, um, with Kristen Cavallari. Yeah, which wasn't uh, which a great just, season. Well, I mean, it's just it's it certainly was a more obviously ridiculous right, season right. Of, of, of television than I think uh, uh, some of the earlier stuff was. This premiere certainly kind of fascinated me just in terms of being a sort of onslaught of time passing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about you, I, I I have successfully not kept up so much with like most of the antics and and biographies of uh, the various Hills people since the Hills went off the air. So it was kind of just like for me, I was kind of marking down a lot of the information that they were giving us didn't realize that Audrina had had a baby, had gotten a divorce. Um, there's a lot of babies now, in fact. I think mm-hmm. most of the main cast uh, either has a child uh, or, in the case of uh, Brody and his wife, Caitlin, uh, are talking angrily about having children <laughs> where they're not talking angrily about everything else. Right. Um, Kristen, I, I somehow went in so cold to this premiere that uh, when someone named Brandon Lee was on screen for a while, I was like, I think he must be related to somebody famous, but I don't know who. Right. And then his mom, Pamela Anderson, showed up, and it was like, Amazing. oh, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. Bizarrely, Kristen, I think just because of my kind of surprise around her inclusion in the show, I think so far the person I'm most interested in the show following is Misha Barton. Yes. Um, and, you know, she she's certainly, I mean, in a way that I think from the outside and from the inside seems very artificially airdropped into the show. Uh, she played Marissa on the OC. The OC was kind of the inspiration for Laguna Beach, which then begat the hills. And, you know, we're all kind of, we're, we're digging back into the Old Testament here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was just kind of intrigued that um, she only had a couple of scenes in the premiere. But, yeah. um, you know, the premiere is kind of creating the story that everybody is kind of returning to Los Angeles after many years away. And everyone is sort of like, you know, coming back to this city. And I, I like that New Beginnings is a little more explicit than I remember the original show being about their lives as celebrities and, and their kind of lives as people who are in the public eye. Yeah. Um, and certainly, like, I don't know, I, I did find something surprisingly sort of resonant in the scene where uh, Misha is talking to Stephanie Pratt and they've both had real issues the last few years with, with all different kinds of things and with drugs and with so I, I, I it's always interesting to me when a reality show um, as Jersey Shore kind of has as well um, when it kind of tries to be about you know, less about young people partying and mm-hmm. having fun and more about like what happens when those people try to kind of get their lives together. Um, you know, I, I always feel a little torn when I'm watching that because I'm kind of yelling at the TV, like the way to get your life together is to not be on TV. Right, anymore. exactly. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> How did you feel in general about, um, I guess, just, you know, the idea of rebooting this show, you know, there's obviously a pretty glaring void without Lauren Conrad. Right. Um, but did, did this premiere, did it kind of justify itself? Do you feel like you'll keep watching? Does oh, it, does, yeah. it, does, it, does it feel like it's kind of conjuring up whatever the original Hills was uh, going for? 
it's sort of, you know, it definitely is there's enough there that I feel like I can, you know, I want to keep watching. I see these other, this drama that they've, you know, a lot of it is drama that like the Justin Bobby Audrina stuff is like, that was the last third of the, of the show in terms of the original run was really about their back and forth. And then like, and, you know, Heidi and, and Spencer are fascinating too, because, you know, they, they, I, I didn't realize they moved to Costa Rica to like get away from like, basically their own press which they yeah. created um they also competed on celebrity big brother uk and things like that so they really like they're now essentially quote unquote more grounded but it seems like heidi's just got a lot of anxiety about you know she's a first-time mom and she doesn't like to leave and go out and leave her son and that's that's relatable and i like that spencer rather than you know sort of being rude and belittling her as he used to he now seems to save all that vitriol or based on the previews it looks like he's going to save all that vitriol for stephanie his sister who uh, apparently found out that um that they were she was going to be an aunt via the daily mail um yes. so which is tragic i you know look i don't think this is necessarily something that should run for a long time i think brandon lee is a total creature of interest in that like I think he's still living his life like one of the people on the original run of the hills and he could bring a, a real dose of just you know uh, hedonistic uh, wealthy Los Angeles party boy yeah. drama which could be fascinating and Misha Barton herself um, you know I didn't realize I didn't know about all that stuff the revenge porn with her ex which sounds horrifying you know and so and you know I'm happy for her if this helps her, like, get her career back on track. But I do worry, like you said, like, probably not the best for you to be on a reality show right now, yeah, sweetheart. Yeah, yeah. I will keep watching. Um, I don't I don't think this is the worst reboot idea of all time. Um, so that's probably the highest praise I can give it. One interesting layer to a show like this and to the whole kind of docu-soap genre is that, you know, you, you, you can certainly enjoy it and just kind of watch it from the kind of shallow, like, ah, like, you know, these are like, you know, wacky, you know, hot plastic people living insane, right. you know, Los Angeles lives. And, and even um, this first episode, I mean, it leans into it even more because it's, you know, it's no more like, you know, we're living in an apartment in the Hollywood Hills, no. which, is, which, which is certainly like a kind of decadence. Like, this is straight up like, there's a lot of us that are in Malibu now. Like, yeah. this is kind of on, on another realm of, of kind of lifestyle porn. And that's, you know, that's certainly something that you, you can enjoy. There is the other layer with any docu-soap that's kind of like, you know, these people are all, like, seeking constant fame. And, like, mm -hmm. that's kind of, like, their job now. And, you know, the, the, the shows on Bravo, I think in general, have figured out ways to tell those stories and even kind of make that a part of the show. Right. Um, with The Hills, there's always kind of this layer of like you know watching the show what do these people actually do all day well they're on this show so i i i, I do find it interesting that um you know, the reason why Lauren Conrad is not on this revival is she doesn't need to be. Right. You know? <laughs> like and, she... you know, she's got a nice normal life elsewhere and she's perfectly right. happy and good for her. You right, know right, what? Yeah, More power yeah. to you, sweetie. And like, yeah, exactly, I hope yeah. I, I don't know that any of these other people and maybe that's what made her such a compelling uh, protagonist initially is like she was always sort of more human than any of them. And it's I don't know that any of these other people will 
ever be able to be comfortable off camera. Like, yeah. do you remember um, Truth or Dare, the Madonna documentary, and uh, Warren Beatty when she was dating him? He's in the in the backstage with her, and the doctor's coming to talk to her about her throat, and and the doctor says, "Do you really want to do this on camera?" And Warren Beatty's like, "Why would you do anything off camera? Why yeah. would you even live?" off camera and you know he's sort of teasing her and making fun of her but that's how I feel about these people like they don't know any better they don't want any better so if this works for them you know great yeah yeah exactly it is interesting Kristen this show kind of being on now at the same time that you know Jersey Shore in its kind of new uh, family vacation incarnation Mm -hmm. um, that it is also on and is I believe still doing very well for the network and as as you mentioned you know Snooki is hosting the tattoo show and Polly Dean Vinny are over on their own show and it's funny only because um, you know in, in the lineage of what MTV was and what it has become um, there was a time where you would have kind of said like the hills ended and Jersey Shore started and yeah. those were two very distinctive eras and even one of the reasons why I've always loved Jersey Shore more is those people are funny I mean yeah. like they're, they're funny like, you know they're they're, they're, they're funny happy and they're happy and they're witty and like you know there's just a there's a flow to how every Jersey Shore show kind of moves that just feels a little less synthetic than all the hills yeah uh, and it's sort of of um, associated series do and that's that that's still true today but it, it's fascinating to me now that like you know there's a new season of the of jersey shore about to start up and this is also running so it's funny to see how it's all kind of gotten it, it's all just so defining for what mtv is yeah. now this this stuff that at one time you would have said was two very different kind of eras of uh, the network but i will be watching till the bitter end like you know and i don't feel guilt about it i just know like i i'm I know this isn't necessarily a great way to use my use my time, but like I'd rather if I'm going to do something, I'd rather watch something mindless. I mean, I'd rather watch a new episode of this than like a rerun of Keeping Up with the Kardashians that I've seen three times. Which, by the way, I do find myself watching. So, <laughs> you know what? Like, I I feel a little better about myself uh, for checking this out. You know, in part, it's for our jobs. Yeah, no reason to feel guilty. No reason to feel sure. guilty. This is all important television, as far as I'm concerned. Um, Kristen, uh, The Hills' New Beginnings is airing on Mondays. Um, we'll see if it uh, manages to achieve the same amount of success as the revived Jersey Shore stuff has. Uh, that wraps it up for this week's edition of EW's Best of Shows. We want to hear from everybody out there, hear what you think about these shows. Definitely want to hear what you thought about the finale of Double Shot at Love. You can tweet <laughs> at us. She's at Kristen G. Baldwin. I'm at Darren. And Franich. We love hearing from you. Uh, you can find this podcast really wherever you listen to your podcasts on Apple Podcasts, on Radio.com, on Spotify. Um, and while you're downloading and listening to us blather on about things we like and don't like, let us know what you like and don't like about this show. Give us a rating, give us a review. Uh, we love to hear from you, hear what we're doing right. Um, it's very important to us that we achieve at least the level of entertainment of your average episode of How Far Is Tattoo Far. That's <laughs> That's the bar that we are trying to clear here at Best of Shows. Uh, I should have a catchphrase, but I don't. So goodbye.